0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Before I actually dig into reading from Philemon chapter 1, verses 4 to 7, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this, this reading and maybe lead into it by talking to you a little bit about what's going on in your life. You know, one of the, the main things that we say here at Crosswalk, um, our, our mission statement, in fact, Uh, really indicates that we are about people growing deeper in their faith. Last week, I pointed out that this message series really is kind of about three buckets in a way. That everything that we do at Crosswalk, we could describe as being part of three buckets. And, And last week, we talked about the worship bucket. We talked about how God calls upon us to honor and glorify his name in everything we do the Bible says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God and I, I reminded you that really our whole life, as we respond to jesus christ 's love and forgiveness and mercy toward us is is returning thanks back to God and, and saying to God, how, how can we lift your name higher? How can we glorify you more? We talk practically about how that means taking next steps one of the one of the critical next steps to take is just to attend Sunday worship more regularly. We did a little study not too long ago of the people who attend our church, and we found that many people are only attending church every three or four weeks. And so one of the things I wanted to mention to everyone and re-encourage this week is one very practical and easy next step to take, if that's been your pattern, is to just worship more regularly and then we talked about how you can also worship God and lots of everyday little things that you do in your workplace and um, And at home and with your friends and neighbors that there are always lots of little ways that Worship can be incorporated in in every segment of our life Today we're going to be talking not about higher but the opposite of higher deeper And uh, as I mentioned Uh, in the very first words I said once I got up here on stage, our mission statement really talks about deeper. Crosswalk is committed to teaching the Bible's words and promises so that the Holy Spirit will transform people into fully developed followers of Christ. Did you hear what that says? We're committed to teaching God's words and promises. Really, this bucket is all about us going deeper in understanding and grasping and holding on to the words and promises that are in the Bible and in sacraments like baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk a lot about that today, so I won't go on and on about that. So we've got hold God's name higher, create a deeper faith, and then wider. When when we have faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that we'll be like Trees. So our roots are going deeper into the word of God. Uh, We're becoming more strong and more firm in our faith. But then we're also going to produce fruit. And the bigger our branches grow, the wider they, they spread out. The more fruit on those branches, the more that we can love God and love our neighbor and do wonderful things that are transformative in our world. And eternally transformative because when we introduce people to Jesus Christ, we introduce them to the path to heaven. So that's, that's pretty cool. So we're going to be talking about this bucket today, about growing deeper. And as, as we talk about growing deeper, I also want to kind of pull out some things that I think are so critically important to us understanding why sometimes churches don't either have a clear vision for their members to grow deeper... Or they might have a clear vision, but it it still doesn't seem like it's fully happening. What's beautiful about this passage, this this, um, Philemon 1, 4-7 passage, is that the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a man who had clearly grown deeper in his faith. Uh, from what we know of the history of Philemon, it was probably the Apostle Paul himself who had introduced Philemon to Jesus Christ, and who had nurtured his faith early on. And Philemon is a businessman; he uh, he's apparently pretty successful at what he does, a busy man. Um, very successful in in life and in fact the very reason that uh, paul is writing these words to him is kind of an interesting problem that philemon uh, has that paul has become aware of so let me share a little bit about that because i think it's very critical to us understanding these words before we read them paul holds philemon up as an example Because he's going to use that as a way to say, so I want you to follow this example that you've already set in how you're going to deal with the situation I'm placing before you. See, what had happened to Philemon is, and maybe you know this or don't, but back in Roman days, slavery was very common. One of Philemon's slaves had run away, and as he ran away, he absconded with some of Philemon's stuff. And this slave's name was Onesimus. And when Onesimus ran away, he ended up running, ironically, to Rome to escape. I'm sure he thought, well, it's a big city. No one will know me there. Very little chance of me being recaptured. And of course, if you were recaptured as a slave, it wasn't good for you. In fact, it could end up in death. It would probably end up in a severe beating. It just wasn't a pleasant thing to be recaptured as a slave in the Roman Empire. So he goes to this very large metropolitan, the center uh, area, the center of the, um, the, the, the Roman Empire, and God leads him to the Apostle Paul, to the one who has brought his master to faith in Christ. And in this process, Paul is able to share with Onesimus the gospel of Christ, and Onesimus becomes a Christ follower. And then Paul says, look, now that you're a Christ follower, we have to look at what you did, how you ran away, how you stole the property of of your master Philemon, and we have to make things right. And Paul challenges Onesimus to go back and to do his best. He probably doesn't have money or property that he can now return, but through his service to do his best to return to Philemon um, what he's taken from him. Including himself. And Paul writes this letter to Philemon to challenge him too, to say to him, Look, I know your faith. You have done some amazing things. Uh, you have been drawn, not by your own power, we know that, by the power of the Holy Spirit to really trust deeply in Christ as your Savior. And so, as a result of that, I'm going to ask you to receive Onesimus back. He was asking him to do something kind of shocking, really. He was saying, receive him back, not any longer as a slave, but receive him back as a brother in Christ. Receive him back as a fellow Christ follower and forgive him and don't punish him. Now, can you imagine what Philemon's friends would have been saying about Philemon? taking a slave in that culture back without any punishment or any discipline and just simply forgiving him and no longer treating him as a slave after he's run away and just accepting him as a brother in Christ. I'm sure some of them were probably thinking, if not saying to Philemon, dude, you are ruining it for all of us. Are you kidding me? You're going to let him come back with no discipline. Do you realize what that's going to do to our slaves? Do you realize how difficult that's going to make our life if you do that? So I'm sure this was quite a challenging situation for Philemon. And now I want us to read these words that Paul says to Philemon, because what he does is he says, here's why I can ask you to do this, why I can ask you to face all this hardship and all this trouble, because I know your faith how deep it is, how deep the Holy Spirit has made it to be. Philemon 1, to 4-7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, he's, Paul says to Philemon, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of Every good thing we have in Christ. We underline that full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. See, He wants him to, to, to go deeper still. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Philemon's situation raises a question for you and me today. What have you prepared your faith for? I think that's a critical question. What have you and I, what have, have we prepared our faith for the day-to-day challenges of walking with Christ? Because I'll, I'll tell you, I think most of us, that's what we do. We sort of get into the frame of mind that if I can meet today's challenges with the faith that Christ has given me, And uh, hopefully those challenges don't get too big or too harsh or too difficult for me. Then my faith is probably deep enough. But what is Paul saying to Philemon? Philemon, He's saying to Philemon, Philemon, I'm so happy that you prepared your faith, not just for regular everyday difficulties. Because I'm going to throw down a real challenge for you now, not only for you, but for your slave Onesimus. And I've tried to prepare him for a real challenge, too. I'm so happy to know that the Holy Spirit has gotten you ready to face really difficult times of pressure and hardship. And that leads us to this question for ourselves today. Have you, have I, have we together as a congregation prepared our faith, not just for the regular everyday stuff that all of us faith face because we're in a, a sin filled world, but have we prepared ourselves for the really tough challenges? For for the times when maybe we fall critically ill, for for the times where a really important relationship in our life just falls to pieces. For the times when we lose a dearly loved one. For the times when we open the newspaper and read about some crazed person shooting dozens of people in a Safeway parking lot. For the times when, and here's two words I want you to write down. When we either ask why, we write that word down, why? Or we say to ourselves, Try. Why or try? And I contend that when we're under extreme pressure, when we're facing hardship and difficulty, those those are our two most common words. Why, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you allowing this to happen in our world? Why is there so much trouble and hardship and pressure and difficulty? Have you prepared your faith for the times when you want to say, God, why? Why? And then the other thing that we say is try. When I'm under pressure and difficulty, when, when I'm under hardship, when big stuff happens in my life, what do I do? Probably you do it too. Well, I'll try this. Maybe I can try that. And if I try enough things, maybe I'll find the solution to this problem and be able to relieve some pressure a little bit. And so I go and I try some doctors, or I go and I try some business consultants, Or I I try other things. I try to get healthier. I try New Year's resolutions. I try, try, try in times of difficulty and pressure. And part of the problem with that is sometimes I don't know where that little voice is coming from that says, try this. Do you ever have that challenge? Is that voice really coming from God? Or is that voice coming from the other team? You ever have that debate when 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 you're when you're under a lot of pressure and and you and you you say, maybe I should try this. And you go, well, is that really is that is that what God would want me to do? Or is that what the devil would want me to do? Or do you ever have this? I have this. I go, that's clearly the devil. He only the devil would tell me to try that solution to this problem. But then I find my willpower and my resolve to do what's godly and good sort of dissolving. And even though I recognize the voice of Satan in in the try this, I still try it, right? Because I'm sinful and my sinful nature leads me sometimes when it's not strong, when I haven't gone deep enough into God's word to fight and do the right thing. And maybe you have that happen too. And that's why. That's why it's so important for us to have a church culture that says we are committed to teaching God's words and promises to teaching this book and only this book and to going deeper and deeper and deeper into it because we're all going to face those times of extreme challenge and difficulty. And if we're only preparing ourselves for the little things that go on in our life, and if we're not going deeper that day is going to come where we are going to be shaken to our very roots by something that causes us to ask why or try. And that's what could have happened to Philemon. But Philemon had clearly done something that's beautiful. He had clearly built into his life space. Space to get closer and closer to God. To go deeper and deeper into a relationship with him and into his word. Where he knew that the Holy Spirit would feed his faith. And the reason we know that is these words. Do you see what Paul says? I thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, Philemon. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. You see, he had clearly created little sacred enclosures in his life. Times to set aside for the Lord and for for the Bible and for feeding his faith and growing it more deep. I don't know if you've heard this, but about four or five years ago, a 400-year-old redwood tree dropped all of a sudden for no apparent reason in the redwood forest in California. And, and, the, and the, uh, the, the park rangers were mystified by this. They, they couldn't figure out why did this, this 400-year-old, apparently very strong, healthy tree just all of a sudden drop? And so they brought in all kinds of botanists and other tree experts and scientists to study what had happened. And, and they couldn't find any disease or anything wrong with this tree. And they just observed and looked and observed and looked some more. Finally, they realized, you know what it is? There's been too much foot traffic around the base of this tree, and it has crushed and destroyed the roots of the tree, so, so much so that it can't get the proper nourishment. And so if you go to the redwood forest today, you'll find that around many of the largest and oldest trees, there's an enclosure, a fence, to keep foot traffic away from crushing the roots of those trees. You see, that's what Philemon had done. As successful as he was, as busy as he was, as important as he was, and we know that he was important because the, the congregation at Colossae met in his house, which meant he probably had a fairly decent sized home. And, and that means he was probably a fairly busy, successful businessman with a lot of things to do to maintain that size of a house, right? And yet somehow, in all of his busyness and activity, he had carved out a sacred enclosure so that the roots of his faith would not be crushed. Would you write this down? God wants us to build sacred enclosures in our own lives, too. Times, places where we can focus on God's word, on the Bible, on the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and not constant activity, having our roots crushed all the time by all the stuff that's constantly going on all around us. Do you ever have that? You ever feel that? Constant activity like footsteps always around you and you're busy and you feel like there's no time. And then Pastor Jeff gets up on Sunday and he says, remember growth groups, growth groups, growth groups. And you're going, oh, how, where, when am I, when, when I going to do that? I'm too, can you finish it? Busy. I'm too Busy. And that's why we have to challenge ourselves. Challenge our own way of thinking. Because it goes deep in our culture and society to be busy. It's an honored thing to be busy. If you're busy, it's probably because you're a successful person. And and what this message is going to be addressing today is difficult because it's going to be addressing habits that you have formed and it's going to be addressing priorities that you have. Now, let me tell you something about habits and priorities, something critically important. You have those habits for a reason, deeply ingrained reasons. You have set the priorities you have set, which either involve having sacred enclosures in your life or not having sacred enclosures in your life you've set those priorities because of beliefs that you have that are many times subconscious you don't even know where they're coming from they've been built up over a lifetime and now here I am up here today on the basis of God's word asking you are you prepared to change your priorities are you prepared to to alter your habits Are you you prepared to look deeply inside of yourself and say, why is it that I don't have a sacred enclosure like a growth group in my life? Why is it that I don't have time for daily devotions and reading God's word on my own, praying to God, asking him to lead me on this day? Why is it that I find it difficult to come consistently to church on a Sunday morning? Are you prepared to ask yourself those tough questions about your habits and your priorities and your sacred enclosures or your non-sacred enclosures? Because that's what Paul is asking us to do today. To look at Philemon, a man who is busy and successful and who found time somehow due to his priorities and his habits, to build a sacred enclosure in his life because he believed that was what God wanted of him. And it is. Take a look at what it says in Proverbs 4. My God, pay attention to what I say. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. This is God talking to you. Do not let my words out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. You want life? You want health in God's eyes? God says, have a sacred enclosure where you can keep my words near to you. Have a time and a place for daily devotions, a time during the week for growth group, a time during the week for worship. And look what it says. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Do you hear that? Would you underline the word heart? And then I want you to write this in. Above all else, I must guard my heart. And what does that say about priorities and habits? That above all else, I must guard my heart. Does that mean that guarding your heart is more important than guarding your home? Than guarding your mortgage? Than guarding your career? Than guarding your job? Dare I say that guarding your heart is more important than guarding your marriage? More important than guarding your children? Above all else. The Proverbs say, guard your heart. And what is it that makes us so busy? It's because quite honestly, we're too often guarding other things. Keeping other things like jobs and careers and homes and parents and children and marriages and not spending time above all else. Guarding our hearts by being in the word of God. You see, what is our vision as a church when we say that we are committed to teaching God's words and promises so that the Holy Spirit will transform people into fully developed followers of Christ is to be a deeply rooted church. And to say, as a church, we are committed to above all else, we are going to guard our hearts. A deeply rooted church is what God is looking for, and it's part of our culture. We have this crosswalk thing. C stands for Caring Community of Believers, and R stands for Real Bible Teaching, and O stands for Outreach-Minded, and so on and so forth. Anybody know what the K stands for? And and this crosswalk thing is supposed to be a, a, a picture of what our culture is as a church. K stands for Keep On Learning and Growing. In God's Word. Keep on learning and growing in God's Word. It's it's what we've agreed to as a congregation that this is our culture. We will keep on learning for a lifetime about God. And so, because I teach everybody this in 101 and 201 and 301 and so on, I said to Christy this week, I'm kind of interested. We say it's part of our culture, is it really? How many 101 and 201 graduates does Crosswalk have? So Christy looked. And if you put the 101 and the 201 graduates together, there's just slightly over 300. And remember, all of us who've been in 101 and 201 have said in a pledge that we want to continue to keep on learning and growing. And I said, so out of that slightly over 300, How many so far have signed up for a growth group? 105. Now, I'm just sharing the numbers with you. I know that I'm very late to get things done. And I also know that part of being the culture of a church is that the people are going to reflect the pastor. Maybe there are many of you who just haven't gotten around yet to getting on the website or or putting on your communication card. And, And you're like me. You're just a little bit late. And it'll happen. Remember, we're kicking off today, right? But I just want to throw the question out to you. If we have over 300 people who have had the training of 101 and 201 class, and we have 105 that have signed up for a growth group, is it really part of our culture as a church to have a sacred enclosure around every soul in this church? And I'm just going to let that question hang there for you. And you and ask it of yourself, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to examine those priorities for yourself. And I want you to examine those habits for yourself and ask yourself, do I have a sacred enclosure? And let's go on now and talk about why it is so important because Paul identifies four important things that Philemon got out of having a sacred enclosure in his life. Notice what it says in Hebrews six, one, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. You see, the author of the book of Hebrews is really saying maturity is the goal. Deep roots is the goal. But there's always things that get in the way. There's this busyness factor that gets in the way. There's also something called the curse of knowledge that can get in the way. And that's talked about in Hebrews 5. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because, and I want you to underline this next phrase. You no longer try to understand. We underline that? Those are important words. Or what's the author to the Hebrews? It's not Paul. What's the author to the Hebrews saying here? He's saying, if we want to keep growing, it comes through constant use of this book. And he's saying, the author to the to the Hebrews is saying, the reason you aren't growing is because you no longer try to understand. You know what that's called? It's called the curse of knowledge. And every church has to fight the curse of knowledge. You know how the curse of knowledge is manifested? It's manifested when we hear ourselves say, I already know that. I've already heard that. That's been said before. Why is that a curse? It's a curse because if I already know, I have no space left for learning. And that's another reason that Paul looks at Philemon and he says, dude, I'm I'm so amazed and so pleased that the Holy Spirit has worked this in you because despite the fact that I directly taught you, you're keeping on learning and growing in God's word. You haven't caved into the curse of knowledge to saying to yourself, I've heard it all before. There's nothing left for me to learn. You've gotten your priorities and your habits in line. Look at what he says, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Man, that is a bottomless pit that you can never get down to the bottom of. To have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ, you'll never hit bottom as you try to mine that. And that's why Paul says, look, Philemon, I hope that Churches and Christ followers of the future will have this, that they will always want to have a deeper understanding of the Bible. When Paul looks in the Colossian deeper bucket, he sees people like Philemon. Who are constantly going, give me more. I want to mine deeper. I've got to get, get a deeper understanding of and grasp of every good thing that Christ has won for me. But it's not only that. It's not only, hey, give me that bucket so I can drink out of it. It's it's also give me that bucket because I want to pass it around. Not only am I going to make sure I'm full, but I want others to be full as well. Remember what I said about Philemon? What did he do with his house? He opened his doors, didn't he? He said, why why did God give me this house? So that it can be a place of learning and growth. So that people can come here and, and the things that I've learned about Jesus, I can pass on to others. Paul writes to him, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And in fact, Philemon already was active in sharing his faith. And that was part of the whole culture of the early church, to use their homes as places to share the faith, which is why we have growth groups here at Crosswalk, because using a home to share faith, well, where else would we get a greater example than what we see in the New Testament? Look at what it says in Acts 18. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. You see what it says there? Apollos already knew a lot, didn't he? But he did not have the curse of knowledge. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord And he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. He was passionate about God. He even spoke about him accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. But there were still some things for him to learn. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Apollos did. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard them, what did they do? When they heard Apollos. Even though he knew a lot, even though he was speaking accurately about Jesus, what did they do? They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. What's the second thing that we see in the early church and with Philemon that we also want to have as part of our vision? And that is that God wants us to be deeply involved in sharing Our faith in drinking deeply out of the deeper bucket, but also in passing that deeper bucket around and sharing God's word with others to be active in that. And now because he's drinking deeply of God's word and he's he's sharing God's word in the gospel with others. Now Paul can call on him to meet those challenges head on, right? Philemon, I know this is going to be tough for you to go against the grain of culture, to not punish your servant, Onesimus. But I know I can do this because I know your love. Notice what he says, verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, Philemon. Fed by Christ's love, it's now overflowing out of the bucket into the lives of others. Because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. And when Philemon does that, he's doing what we read throughout the New Testament, that when God's word and the Holy Spirit plants faith in our hearts, love overflows out of that. And in fact, love is as critical to maturity and deep roots as knowledge is. Notice what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And then a few chapters later, can have all kinds of knowledge, Paul says. But if I don't have love, the knowledge means nothing. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And that's another beautiful thing about growth groups, isn't it? Because in growth groups, you not only get into the Bible— But you also get to experience the sharing and the caring and the love of your fellow group members. Last semester, we had a a, a young mom whose son went into the hospital and her group was bringing meals to her home and help offering to help and praying for her and praying for her son. And she was receiving with two sets of hands. And then I don't know where she got the other two sets of hands, maybe. But I'm, I don't know how she did it, but at the same time, she was giving away to some other people that she knew, and she was helping them and making meals for them and serving them. So maybe receiving with one hand and giving away with the other. Love. And, and that's what happens when we get active with one another in our home, sharing faith and, and loving one another and taking care of one another. Love builds up. So number three, God wants us to love one another deeply. And then the final thing. Why was it most of all, this is the most critical thing. Why was it most of all that Paul could write this letter to Philemon and say, I know you'll do the right thing. Why was it that Paul Could take Onesimus and say, now that you're a Christ follower, I want you to go back there. Can you imagine how tough that would have been? Here's why. Because when he's writing to Philemon, he's saying to Philemon, do you remember that you were once an Onesimus yourself? Do you remember that you ran away from your master at one time? You ran away from God. You ran away from God with your sins and your rebellion. You took things from God that weren't yours. You were just like Onesimus Philemon, a runaway servant. And you tried to get away from God because you hated him and you feared him and you wanted nothing to do with him. Which, by the way is true of every last person. That's our natural default state. We have no fear of God, like I said in the baptism, and no faith in God by nature. We're all runaways. We're all anesimus. And so what does Paul say to Philemon? Do you remember that your master, your God, forgave you? Do you remember that he didn't punish you for all that rebellion and those times of running away and the sins that you've committed against him? Do you remember how he forgave you, your God embraced you and loved you and showed you undeserved love and grace? Do you remember how he accepted you back and was reconciled to you? And not just to you, but to a whole group of people there in your congregation in Colossae. Look at what it says in the passage I put in your crosswalk notes. Colossians 1. Remember, this is the same church where Philemon was. And he says to the whole congregation, once you were all alienated from God, runaway slaves. And you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now... Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. When Christ stretched out his arms to die on the cross, when he bled for you, you were forgiven of all your sins. Even those times when you said, I don't have time to build a sacred enclosure, or I already know enough about God. He's forgiven you for all of that present you wholly in his sight without a single blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Onesimus, I know about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your master who reconciled you back to God. And I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus. The last most critical thing about going deeper is to have faith in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God wants us to have a deep, growing, living faith. And Remember what Phil said a couple weeks ago? What God wants from us, he provides for us. And so he gives us baptism and and he gives us the Bible and he gives us Holy Communion because through those means he provides faith. He sends the Holy Spirit into your hearts and minds and says, come back. Don't be a runaway anymore. Come back and be reconciled to God in Christ. So, I want to ask you to think of these four things in your own life. Do you, like God, want yourself to have a deeper understanding of the Bible? Do you, like God, want to be deeply involved in sharing your faith? Do you want to love others deeply? Do you want to have a deep faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to, in short, go deeper with God? And if you do, I hope that you've heard loud and clear today that you have been graced and forgiven in Jesus for all your past sins, no matter how big, no matter how often repeated. I want you to go out of this room today knowing the grace and the forgiveness of God. But I also want you to go out of your out of this room thinking these thoughts. Am I preparing my faith for those times when I want to ask why? The times of big pressure and big trouble. Am I preparing my faith today for the times when I want to say, try this or try that, and even where maybe sometimes the voice of Satan sounds attractive, am I preparing my faith for those temptations to fight them? And am I, as I do that, willing to examine at the deepest level my priorities and my habits And think about how I can create a sacred enclosure and above all else, guard my heart. And as I guard my own heart then, to take that deeper bucket and pass it around and share it with others and help them grow deeper in their faith too. And it's in that light that I want to ask Phil to come out. Because we're going into a time right now where we're going to have some pretty cool opportunities, not only for ourselves to grow deeper, but also to help others drink of that deeper bucket. Phil?
0: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, As you notice, one of your points, point number two, God wants us to be deeply involved in sharing our faith. I find it um, that God often uh, seems to be ironic with us in that... um, You know, when we want to grow deeper in in our own faith, he asks us to then share it with others and how others are involved with our own spiritual growth. It's it's kind of ironic that if we want to grow our our own faith that we share it with others. But uh, definitely um, there's evidence in the scripture of of that happening. What I wanted to talk with you guys about is kind of to explain ourselves a little bit on on staff and, and volunteers and whatnot and why we plan certain outreach events. Um, as you know, Face to Face is coming up. That is our Relationship in the 21st Century message series coming up starting the end of January. January 30th is the kickoff. And um, we like to have opportunities for you to start with people that you know, your friends and your family, people that you can share your faith with, this, this faith that God is, is deeply rooting in you. And, uh, and so we put those invite cards in your, uh, in your programs Uh, with that purpose of having your friends and family grow deeper in their faith and so i I want you to to see if you'd commit to that commit to inviting a friend or family member but let me ask you a question what about all those people here in levine and south phoenix right around Cesar Chavez high school that don't know jesus and that are strangers to you does god care about them and obviously, you would say, yes, of course, God cares about them. And I'm going to ask a more blunt question. You're used, with, used to blunt with Jeff, right? He's pretty blunt with you. So what are you going to do about it? If there are people who are strangers to you here in this community, what are you going to do so that they will no longer remain strangers to Jesus? And with that idea that we have these outreach events, now... We're going to talk about the Levine Parade and Levine Barbecue, okay, coming up in February, and also um, the Easter Egg Hunt, which is the Saturday right before Easter. Now, hey, I'm right with some of you. Some of you would say, you know what, I'm not really into floats. You know, why would I go to a parade? I'm not really a meat eater, you know, barbecues aren't, aren't my thing. I don't like big crowds of people, you might say. Or I don't have any kids. Why would I go to the Easter egg hunt? And, and uh, I want to challenge you again to not view these outreach events as something that's just leisure. Something that, oh, I'm just going to go just to have a good time and, and, uh, and simply that. But view them as opportunities to meet people, to rub shoulders with them so that they're no longer strangers to you. Because to be honest, before we can ever share this faith with someone, we have to meet people. We just simply have to. And, and I want to tell you a, a story last week, a real life story, that shows how easy it is to just meet people and make an impact. One of my outreach teams was doing uh, the Christmas light takedown, one of our outreach um, service opportunities. And uh, one of the very first houses we went to, a couple was taking their lights down. And um, you know they were a little intimidated at first by this group of people pulling up with ladders and stuff like, uh, hey, we'll help you take your lights down. Well... We, uh, she ended up having a big Christmas tree that was heavy that uh, she's like, you know what? You could help me get this Christmas tree up to my attic. And so we helped her and then she warmed up to to the idea of us helping her get her lights down. And so we did that. And in the next 45 minutes, I just kind of stood and watched and the couple who was really timid at first, here's, here's the husband, let's call him John pulling over the sheet of his car and showing us, you know, his Mustang underneath and, and you know, talking guy talk with one of the volunteers. And, and, uh, and then I go off and I was kind of taking, rolling some lights up and uh, I go up to, let's call her Jane, the, the woman. And uh, I go up to the, then she's around other volunteers. And I hear, I hear one of the volunteers say, we'll be praying for you. And he, he puts his hand on her shoulder to comfort her. And uh, I was filled in that, in this, you know, 30-minute conversation, she had let, let these uh, volunteers know that she was struggling with, with, with cancer, with a, with a big health issue. And the volunteers said, we pray for you. Let's invite, we'll invite you to church. You know, come, come to us and, and uh, you know, anything we can do to help. And she said, you know, this was really nice of you guys to come. It makes me feel a lot better. And then she actually had us take down the lights of her neighbor right across the street who wasn't even home. So she oh, go ahead, take her, da-. you know, she's a single mom, she'll appreciate it. So just in that, what it just got me thinking is that, you know, let's take these opportunities to just meet people. You know, can you do that? Can you rub up shoulders with someone and just say, hey, my name's Phil? And, and who knows where God will take with that. And, uh, but it takes our, our time and effort to mark it on the calendar and say, you know what, I don't like barbecue, but I'm going to go to the barbecue. And... Uh, And so just think about that as we as we talk about growing deeper.
1: Thanks, Phil. Just one thing to clarify. Yes. Do you want all of us to introduce ourselves as Phil?
0: Yes, I do. Actually, Um, just try that out. You know, see how that works for you. And uh, no, no, um, probably probably use your own name. Do that. That'd be better. Thanks for the clarification. That's
1: a good one. Thanks. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, first of all, I thank you so much for Phil and uh, for the leadership that he provides as, as we uh, get active, as you wish us to be in sharing our faith. I want to thank you for all of our outreach volunteers, including that team that was willing to go out and, um, and take down lights and get involved in conversations and meet people. Lord, um, we do, all of us do, I do need to examine my my own priorities. I need to uh, examine my habits. And I need to prepare my faith for times of difficulty and hardship, times when the wind is going to blow and the rain is going to fall, and I don't want my house of faith to come crashing down. Lord, uh, I... I, I want to, and I, and I want to lead this entire church of people to, to be repentant of the times when we have not had the right priorities and we, we have not built sacred enclosures around our faith. At the same time, Lord... I want to praise you for the forgiveness that you've given us. All of us are runaways. We're all Onesimus, and yet you've embraced us and brought us back into your family through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your son, for his death on the cross, for his resurrection, for the full forgiveness that we have in him and the hope of eternal life we have in him. Lord, help us to embrace keeping on learning and growing every day in our faith in Jesus and to embrace getting active in sharing our faith with others. We pray these things in the name of our Savior Jesus. Pray for your Holy Spirit's power and wisdom to to go deeper. In his name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.